0: Good morning, Peachtree! Wow! I forgot I was mic'd. All right. Well, I won't yell anymore. All right. No promises. Um, This is the final sermon of our series, Put Down Your Phone. You may miss it. Uh, You may or may not remember, but the last five weeks we've been going through the sermon series, and we've heard about spirituality and short-term memory and how we can use Christian meditation in our spiritual lives. And on Easter we heard how God sometimes works suddenly and quickly, and we need to be ready for that. And we heard how faith is tested not by the eyes, but by the heart. And last week, Reverend Dr. Longbond spoke of the boredom of long walks and bread. And this week, today, we'll hear about no ordinary moments, and I am excited to hear what I'm going to say. <laughs> oh, you guys are too, that's good, It's good. We're all on the same page. So before we get started, please pray with me. God, pour your Spirit out on us in this place and with those online with us today. Fill us with a new and renewed awe for you. Stir in us a compassion for others and a unity in our souls. In the name of Jesus we pray, amen. So today's passage with which Jason read so lovely, was, is from Acts or Acts of the Apostles, and it's the foundation story or the origin story of the church. But how did we get there? We're gonna back up a little bit to the beginning of the chapter and Pentecost has just happened. And for those who don't remember or don't know because Pentecost is a weird word, Pentecost is just the day that the Holy Spirit Uh, the, the helper that Jesus had promised came to the disciples, the apostles, and they were empowered by the Spirit and began to preach the gospel of Jesus. And all those around in Jerusalem could hear the the preaching in their own language, in their mother tongue, if you will. And Peter goes on to preach a powerful sermon, and he shows all those there that what they're witnessing isn't a bunch of drunkards getting lucky with their weird words, it's God's spirit poured out on his people as spoken by the prophet Joel and that God had kept his promises to Israel and given them a savior, a Messiah in Jesus whom they had killed. But hope was not lost. Even though Jesus was dead, he had been risen and God still promised salvation to all who believed in, in the risen Jesus and were baptized in his name. And there's this really funny line, uh, this is just a side note. Uh, there's this note, it says, Peter also, also testified with many other arguments. <laughs> Which means, we just got the best one, but he was there for hours. <laughs> we have no idea what the other ones were, but later they're writing them down like, you remember that Joel one? That was good. The first 15, 20, oh, it didn't work as well, but you really hit him with the Joel. But but the thing is, people believed him. They were moved. 3,000 people joined the church that day. And so I called it the origin story. It's the origin story of a church. And what is the first thing you think of when you hear origin story lately? You and your sweet holy self. The rest of us were thinking superhero movies or Marvel Or DC but yes Genesis as well origin story it's a great one but superhero movies or when I asked my wife she said villains you need to talk to somebody (laughs) but think of Batman you know his origin story is he watches his parents be murdered and he grows up he's vengeful and then he becomes you know Batman or spider-man he's a nerd He's studying science, he goes, he gets bitten by a radioactive spider, and he becomes Tony (laughs) McGuire. I don't know, yeah. Or Andrew Garfield? No. Tom Holland? Yes. Tom Holland's the best one. And British. Who knew a spider bite could turn you British? (laughs) Or, when I asked my wife for a villain story, I got Megamind. And if you don't know what Megamind is, it's a movie that came out about 10 years ago, It's a blue guy. I don't know why she picked that one. I'm not sure she's seen it. Maybe you have, Uh, but she wanted me to tell you actually what she thought of was Bane from Batman, but she didn't. But movie companies have made billions and billions off of origin stories because we love to know what makes people tick. Why are they acting that way? Like, why did Bane become this weird dude with a mask on his face who's big and Or I like the 90s version where he's all, like, got hoses all over him. Like, why did he become that? Like, why is he working for the bad guys? But sometimes origin stories are also just these, like, they explain trivial quirks about us. Like, why someone picks their nails or why my lucky number is nine. So I wore nine on all my sports uniforms, jerseys, whatever you call them. Uh, It's also on all my lotto tickets, and uh, I try to get it in all my numbers. My phone number has three nines in it, yeah, because when I was born, I was born on September 9th, 1989, at 9 p.m., I weighed nine pounds, and one rendition of the story, it was room 109, but that's changed numerous times. I don't even (laughs) think that hospital has room 109, but as we call it in my family, I was a, a big brain boy. And I was like, oh, look at all these nines. That must be my lucky number. And so from then on, I just used nines on everything. Or sometimes, origin stories are used to reinforce good values or a little bit of propaganda. Um, in America, we have the Founding Fathers. A lot of good things they did, but also a lot of questionable stories. Uh, the history's not really there. The one that came to mind, which I'll be honest, I had to Google it to remind myself exactly what it was about, was George Washington and the Cherry Tree. Yeah, I saw someone mouth it. Uh huh, yeah. George Washington and the Cherry Tree. And the story goes that George Washington, when he was six years old, was given a hatchet. And he does what a six year old boy with a hatchet does he goes and hatchets things, he goes and chops on his father's cherry trees. And his father's very angry. And he comes to him and he's like, did you chop, like, who cut my trees? Did you cut my trees? And the six-year-old with a hatchet goes, I cannot tell a lie. I did cut those trees. Who else was gonna, of course you cut the trees. But it was to show that he had this honesty and this hard work and, and it was to show the Western values. And it was also, made up by his biographer in the fifth edition of his biography (laughs) like i need a new story all right i got a good one let's go with this so the purpose of origin stories is to explain why someone acts a certain way or what their motivations are or it can be to explain some weird silly idiosyncrasies Or they are to remind us and call us to be who we're meant to be or maybe sometimes they do all three at different times so what is the point of this story why why did Luke decide to put in there this opening part of they devoted themselves to the Apostles teachings and fellowship and the breaking of bread and the prayers What made these four characteristics so important? Some might say it was because that's just what happened. He was just writing down the history and conveying the facts to us. This is what he noticed. Fair. Others might say this is a sure fired model for church growth. Just look at it. God added to their numbers daily. They started with 3000 people on day one. I'm sure if we stay in here long enough, we can get them to come in. Yeah, online, Jared told you, you can still come in, all 3,000 of you, and come join us. Or, as I think, these four characteristics are, are a sign of a healthy and authentic community of Jesus followers. I think that just like those first Christians, the first church, once you accept Jesus for who he is, your Savior or Messiah, and you submit to his teachings, you're going to have a love and a gratitude for God that naturally starts to grow inside you. You're going to remember just how much God's love has done for you and that God still loves you and provides for you every day. And there's, there will be this desire to be with others and experience that love of God, that have experienced that love of God and responded in the same way you have. Which right now might be a sign and wonder that would make awe for a lot of people. If you look at our society right now, we are very separated. In here, we're very separated. We have three feet apart from our groups. We're in our groups. But there is this longing for unity. And when people are together and joyful for, for certain reasons, such as because of Christ, because of the love that God has for them, people see it, and it's different. And I also believe that a generosity and a compassion for others' needs is an obvious display and an of God's love and provision for us. I know some of us might have gotten nervous when we saw that they sold all their possessions and they distributed them as anyone had need. Sounds a little communist, yeah? A little nervous. This is America. We don't do that. But what Luke is pointing out is this concept, it was a, a Greek concept of friendship. Like this was the pinnacle of friendship and love, a unity where you shared everything because, everything because of your love for everyone. We talk about how we are the body of Christ, we're united, we're one in Christ. This was that, the most evident show of that oneness, And so if if Christ is risen from the grave, as we believe, then there are no more ordinary moments. When we take communion here, we're not, this isn't just communion. This is where we sit and we remember it's communion. But when we go downstairs on Sundays and we eat together and we break bread together, that's communion. When we go out to eat together with our friends and families and those we love, and we share bread, and we break food, and we're sharing that together, time together, that's communion. That is a time together, growing together because of love for each other and for God. And so one question that we can all ask ourselves to kind of see how this verse is going to hit us today is, why are you here this morning? Are you here this morning out of habit or out of gratitude for what God has done for you and the love that God has for you? As I was reading this week, I came upon this quote from a theologian named Willie James Jennings. And he puts it this way about this passage. Luke gives us sight of a holy wind Blowing through structured and settled ways of living and possessing and it pulls them apart People caught up in the love of God Not only begin to give thanks for their daily bread But daily offer to God whatever they had that might speak gracious that gracious love to others What is far more dangerous than any plan of shared wealth Or fair distribution of goods and services is a God who dares impose on us divine love such love will not play fair in the moment we think something is ours or our people's or our churches that's something God will demand we sell it we give it away or offer more of it in order to feed the hungry clothe the naked Or shelter the homeless using it to create bonds of shared life that is what this text is meant to do it is meant to call us back to continually call us forward to this bound way of living to living out what God has dared impose on us his divine love